Well, good morning, Faith family. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing well? It is wonderful to see you here this morning. So excited about just continuing to worship with you. Hasn't worship just been amazing this morning? Amen? No? <laughs> Hasn't it been wonderful? It's been just a, a great time to just come and celebrate uh, Christmas, and the Christmas season is upon us. Amen? How many of you have done all your decorating? Anybody? Uh-oh, some of y'all are in trouble. Husbands, you need to get up in the attic and drag that stuff out, right? It's what we do every year. So uh, I tell you, it's, it's a wonderful time of the year just thinking about all that Christmas is, and, and, uh, and I'm just thankful to be able to come in here this morning and just celebrate with you all that we have to celebrate, uh, just to, the, the coming of our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the birth of, of Jesus, uh, but, but I hope that today as we dive into God's Word, we find that it's much broader than that, much more profound than just that truth. And so uh, I'm looking forward to diving into the message with you this morning. I, I do want to just say uh, before we get started that, that last week our, at our Giving Tree ministry, that ministry that we have where we, where we provide some uh, uh, Christmas items to families in need, uh, last week our Christmas tree, Giving Tree, ran out of the need request, uh, and some of you are still wanting to participate in that. So I just want to say that uh, the Giving Tree has been restocked with needs uh, for our community. If you're looking to participate in that ministry, uh, please go into our Next Steps area after the service, and you will be able to, to, uh, to pull one of those ornaments off the tree and provide a, uh, a need for a family in our community. And so I just want to mention that. Also, on December the 19th, uh, we're going to have our second annual Christmas at the Courthouse, uh, which is down in Quitman. You know, we have a campus in Quitman, and, and uh, God is really doing some incredible things down there this year, and I'm so excited about that. Uh, I know last year, uh, it was the first time we'd done that, and uh, it was quite small, and the community wasn't really supporting us, but this year, uh, and, and it's all because of what God's doing in the life of that church and in, in, in the presence that we have in that community, but but God is really moving in a big way. And so this year, the community, equipment has gotten really behind Christmas at the courthouse. And we have a lot of the children uh, that are in that uh, city that are going to be participating this year, helping us sing carols. And, and uh, it's, it's going to be a wonderful time this year. And so I want to encourage everybody to come down to equipment. It's not that far of a drive. It only takes you about 20 minutes to get down there. But on December the 19th at 5.30, we'll begin that, that Christmas on the courthouse. And it, it's, it's just a wonderful time to support our church uh, family down there, our, our campus, and, and to just also uh, worship together uh, and celebrate Christmas. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Today we have a, a, just a really, I think, an encouraging message, uh, a, a very powerful, profound message from God's Word, and I'm not just saying that because I'm preaching it, I'm saying that because I think anytime you dive into God's Word, and I hope you would agree with this, that God has a tremendous message for us, amen? And so we're going to dive into God's Word this morning, and, uh, and I think it's going to be <clears throat> just a really uh, profound uh, thing for us to learn today together as we celebrate Christmas. And so I want to pray for us, and then we'll jump into uh, the message this morning. So pray with me if you will. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for your presence here today, and God, just every opportunity we have to come together as a faith family. And here we all are gathered here today, God, uh, many uh, that have been here for, for many years a part of this faith family, and others that are, that are here today for the very first time. And God, we're here today to, to really just do one thing, and that is to worship you in spirit and truth. 
And Father, I'm thankful for each and every person that's here, God, that you would speak into our hearts and Lord, that you would open our minds and and our hearts that, God, you would speak into our life. And God, we know that your word is so encouraging and so challenging and so convicting at times. But God, we know that every word of your word is designed to lead us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and to ultimately glorify you. And so, Father, I pray that today that would be the case. God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. I pray that you would speak life through the word that is preached here today and and God that as we dive into your word that we would be encouraged and and God just moved by your presence in our life and in this place God we love you so much and we thank you in Jesus name amen we've been walking through a series in in the book of Romans for quite a while and and this series specifically is designed to walk through Romans chapter 8 a very significant chapter in all of scripture but I also want to you know as we move into the Christmas season I want to remember what Christmas is all about and obviously it's a time where we would typically look back about 2,000 years we would look back uh, to a time when a baby was born we, we read in the scriptures where where it was foretold that that there would be a baby who was born the son of God and, and, and so we go back during this time of the year and we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And that's such a worthy thing to do. We want to celebrate the birth of our Savior, the coming of the Son of God. And we want to celebrate that together because it has such deep meaning to us as, as followers of Christ Jesus. We typically will celebrate in a, in a huge way the birth of Christ, but we'll also celebrate in a huge way the resurrection of Christ. We do that on Easter. But this is a time of the year where we typically would look back and we would tell the story, and, and, and for the last couple of years, we've been, I mean weeks, we've been walking through Romans and looking at a very doctrinal or theological study on the Holy Spirit. And so the temptation is really to sort of put this series on pause and then go and revisit a story that we've heard so many times. But I want to encourage you today that as we continue through this series in Romans, that you're going to see the relevance of this and how it pertains also to the Christmas story. I know that you're going to be encouraged today by the Word of God, and, 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 and I pray that as we look at this that you will learn even more about who God is and the role of the Holy Spirit in our life this morning. The, the, the message is, is from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 30. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and, and turn there this morning. We're going to be diving into this text, Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 26. And the title of this, ser- this sermon is Hashtag Future. You know, the, the title of this series is Hashtag Roman 8. And so we're sort of using the hashtag as a, uh, I, I really don't know why. But anyway, we're, we're using it. Sort of a, you know, Twitter thing, I guess. But, you know, no, it draws attention to something very specific, doesn't it? And so this morning, the message is titled Hashtag Future. And you may be wondering, well, why is it that that the title of this message, as we begin this Christmas season and we look back about 2,000 years, why is it that the, the title of this message is called Hashtag Future when we look back at the past? And the reason because of that is because when we think about why Jesus came to this earth, why Jesus was born in a manger, Son of God, we, we, we begin to realize as we studied the life of Jesus that He came, that He would make us holy and ultimately establish for us our eternal future. 
And so this morning as we look at the scriptures, we, we, we are just really inspired by what God wants to teach us and what he wants to reveal to us through the reading and preaching of his word. And, and we see that there's great relevance to study, to even continue studying the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of a Christmas holiday, a Christmas season. And so hashtag future, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and following. You know, I love, I love this because what we're going to see here as we continue in this, in this message is we're going to see the reality that there's a huge, a huge inseparable connection between Jesus and the Holy Spirit even in the midst of the Christmas story. One writer said it like this. He says, from womb to tomb to throne, all activities in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, all activities in his life from his birth through his death through his resurrection until the ascension occurred in the full presence and the full power of the Holy Spirit. And So we want to we see that today as we dive into this message. We want to see the role of the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of the Christmas story. And so read with me, if you will, starting with Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You know, I, I just got to say, before we read any further, isn't that comforting to know because if you're like me, and many of you probably are, there's a lot of days in our life where we just feel weak, don't we? Where life is so uncertain, where life is hard, and life is filled with difficult situations and circumstances. And, and maybe for some of us here today, as we enter into a Christmas season, as we look on Facebook and many other places in our life, and we see so many people celebrating times with their family and and good times and, and blessings that just seem to be overflowing. Maybe there's some of us here today that are dealing with this season not being so filled with joy because of circumstances we find ourselves in. Maybe for some of us here today, we feel very weak. And I am certain that if that's where you're at this morning, this message is going to be very encouraging to you as we think about the comfort that is provided by the Holy Spirit of God in our life even in those moments. But this passage starts off here and it says this. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified... He also glorified. Now, to understand the life and the works and the ministry of Jesus Christ, we, we must start at the beginning. And I, I think oftentimes when we think about the beginning, when we think about our faith, when we think about Christianity, 
and where it starts for us, many times we, we immediately begin to think about Jesus. I mean, that only makes sense. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith, right? And so we, we think about Jesus Christ. We know that, that our Christianity or our faith or our, our standing with God, that righteous standing with God, it begins with Christ. And, and so as we think about Jesus, as we think about our Christianity, we, we often might make the mistake of going back to that time that we hear all the time during Christmas, which is the, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we, we, we have this tendency to believe that that's where it sort of all began, is when Jesus came to this earth, born of a baby, born of a virgin, a baby, the Son of God in a manger. And so we, we, we think of that, and then we, we have this tendency to go there. We like to go to verses in chapters like Luke chapter 2, where we see the, the Christmas story told, and, and, and we study this, and we, we come to understand this, and, and we're inspired by this. We study the, the passages where it talks about Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus, as they approach Bethlehem, and they find that there's just, there's just an overcrowdedness in the, in the city, and, and there's just nowhere to stay, and they find themselves in a manger. And these are stories that we, 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 we hear every Christmas, and they're so inspiring. And, and we see that, that Jesus was born, and, and, and he was the Son of God, and that, that he would be called Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. Man, how refreshing it is and how encouraging it is to, to know that God is with us. We study doctrinal and theological truths like the incarnation of Christ. That is God wrapped in flesh. And so this is the time of the season where we study all of that and we go back. But, but the reality is as we study the Christmas story, as we study what Christmas is all about, we, we see that it's, it's not just about Jesus. It's not just about a baby born in a manger, but rather it's much deeper, it's much, much more profound than just that simple message of, of Jesus being born in a manger. It's not just about this nativity that we study and see each and every year. And so this morning, I pray that as we, as we dive into this text, that we will see exactly what Christmas is all about. And what we're going to see is that inseparable connection between the Holy Spirit of God and the Son of God, which is Jesus. I want to take you back as we sort of use these next few verses as a springboard into the text today. Uh, I want to take you back to Isaiah chapter 7. And, and, and so I'm going to sort of move through these fast. You might want to just dot the, re the reference down, or you can flip there if you can flip fast enough. We're going to kind of go through some passages here that we're going to use to really tee up the message for today. And, and it, it obviously is a great part of the message. But, but we're going to begin with Isaiah chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And here what we see is the foretelling of the Son of God coming to this earth. We see the, the foretelling, the truth that Jesus would be born, that God himself would send his Son, his only begotten Son, to be born on this earth. And so we read in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, these words. It says, Then Isaiah the prophet, he said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of God also? Now look at verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself gave you a sign. Look at this, very familiar to us. 
each and every Christmas. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so here we go all the way back to Isaiah chapter 7, and we see that the Christmas story doesn't begin in the Gospels. The Christmas story begins way back in the Old Testament as we explore the words of these Old Testament prophets. And so we see the, the foretelling of Jesus Christ who would be born of a virgin. And yes, that's important, okay? It's, it's another message for another day, but yes, that's hugely important. But born of a virgin, there will be a son, and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We find out a little bit more about who Jesus is. As we read a couple of chapters later in Isaiah, we see in Isaiah chapter 9, these words. We read these words where it says, for to us a child is born. Again, very familiar, isn't it? Something that we've heard during the Christmas season for us to a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called, look at this, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Isn't it wonderful to be able, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our deep, dark circumstances that we seem to face so many times in life, in, in the midst of our weakness as we, as we face the things that we have to face, that we have a Savior named Jesus who is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and no doubt the Prince of Peace. How many of you would testify to that truth with me this morning about Jesus Christ? Isn't it wonderful to know that that is our Savior? And, and we see this foretelling of Him in Isaiah. By the time we get to Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1, we begin to see even more. Here we see that the Lord says, Here is my servant, speaking of Jesus, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put, and here's where we see now this, this, this connection, this inseparable connection between the Holy Spirit of God and the Son of God, Jesus. And he says here, I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Even before Jesus Christ is to be born in a manger. The Father says, I will place my spirit upon him. We begin to see the role of the Holy Spirit of God, even in the midst of the Christmas story. And we begin to realize that the Christmas story is much more profound than just a baby being born in a manger, just a man who came to this earth who we would call Jesus. We begin to see just how profound it is to, to know that, that Jesus is is coming and, and that the Lord would say, I will place my spirit upon him. By the time we get to Luke chapter one, and we're continuing to sort of skim through this jet tour through the gospel, you know, and, and, and understand uh, what it is that we want to understand in the, the book of Romans. But as we get to Luke chapter one, verse 31 through 35, we see these very familiar words concerning the Christmas story. It says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. This is the, the angel of the Lord speaking to Mary. And he says, you will call his name Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. 
And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There will be a child, uh, there, therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Again, here we see the gospel speaking of the reality that there will be a son born and his name will be Jesus and we will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. And again, we see the role of the Holy Spirit of God, this inseparable connection between the Holy Spirit of God and the Son of God named Jesus. So why do we stay camped out? In Romans chapter 8, A theological study on the Holy Spirit during Christmas because it has everything to do with the Christmas story. We we see just something really amazing as we begin to explore the ministry of Christ, the very purpose of Him coming to this earth. I mean, you know, Christmas is when we celebrate Him being a baby, but He grew up like us, and and He began to do ministry among the people and among the cities and the, the towns and the villages. And we see that at the onset of his ministry, we see where, where Luke 4, verse 1 and 2 tells us this, just before Jesus would enter into the wilderness and be tempted. And Jesus, look at this, full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returning from the Jordan and was led by who? The Spirit. Jesus led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by the devil. Even Jesus himself would unroll a scroll from the prophet Isaiah and proclaim these words, that the Spirit of the Lord will be upon him. The Holy Spirit of God. Here we are talking about Christmas, a time when we would celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, and yet as we explore the words of Romans chapter 8, we see the significance of continuing. You see, the temptation would be to to sort of put our study on Romans 8 on hold while we go and revisit the nativity scene, the story of Jesus as a baby. But, But the reality, isn't it? The reality is this, is that the Christmas story is really every bit of the gospel. From Genesis to Revelation, it points to one reality, and that reality is is that Jesus Christ is the hope and the joy and the peace and the salvation of those who would come to know him. Amen? That's what it's all about. Every bit of it. The entire gospel, the entire holy word of God speaks of the reality of Jesus. Since the beginning... We see this and and we understand this. Now, what I want us to do is look at our text here today. I want us to go back now to Romans chapter 8 and look at our text and see what it is that, that the Word of God teaches us and how it inspires us and how it can equip us and how it can it can challenge us and how it can also encourage us and comfort us as we enter into this Christmas season. There's basically several things that that Paul is going to point out here. I wish we had time to, to really dive into all of them. We, we just don't uh, have time for all of it today. But we're going, to, we're going to dive as deep as we can today. But one of the things that we see is that the Apostle Paul is writing to the, these believers and he, he, he's challenging them with these truths. And, and, and we're going to see several things that he 
wants us as believers even today to understand about who Jesus is and about the presence of the Holy Spirit of God within our life. Here's the first thing that he points out to us. It seems pretty obvious, but we have to talk about it. It's the reality that the Spirit intercedes for us. The Spirit intercedes for us. Look at verse 26 here. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we talked a little bit about this, but, but I want to I just really kind of drill down on this because this word intercede, this truth that we begin to unpack as we move into these next couple of verses, this word intercede, it literally means to speak for or to meditate for or to even plead for. And so here we have the, the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God, which dwells deeply within the the, the, within the, the believer or the follower of Jesus Christ. And we see that the, the, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He pleads for us. He, 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 he prays for us. He meditates for us. He is with us. As followers of Christ Jesus, we are not alone as we pursue this life on this earth. And so we see here in this verse, this powerful and comforting verse, in verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Suddenly we realize that God is for us and not against us. Suddenly we realize that He is helping us to endure the suffering that we have to endure in this world. That He is here today to help us to endure the absolute decay of this world. The Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us and walking with us, the presence of God in our life. And so today as we stand here and we celebrate Jesus Christ, we celebrate the birth of Christ, and we think about all the things, all the hardships that we have to face in this world, and knowing that Jesus, who will be called Emmanuel, God with us, even after his ascension, where he took his place back on his throne, sent to us his helper, the Holy Spirit of God, that God would remain with us. What a powerful passage to think about that in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of of the deepest, darkest, toughest situations that we have ever faced on this planet, God is with us. He is for us. And He is not against us. Matthew Henry says this, and I, I love this. He says, he says, the Spirit itself makes intercession for us, dictates our requests, indicts our petitions, draws up our pleas for us. Christ intercedes for us in heaven the Spirit intercedes in our, for us in our hearts. So graciously has God provided. How many of you are thankful that God has provided His Son for our salvation? How many of you would testify and be thankful that God has provided His Spirit that we would be comforted in the midst of our weakness? What an amazing passage of Scripture to think about the Christmas story, to think about all that God is doing when He sent His Son to be born in a manger. Man, there was so much more to it than just that. 
This isn't just about hay and donkeys and sheep and goats and, and, and camels and, and, and wise men who came to worship. It's so much greater than that. This has everything to do with what God wants to do in our life. Everything to do with what God wants to do for us for an eternity. It has everything to do with our walk with Him. It has everything to do with having the strength to endure this life. God with us. Jesus, the Savior, Emmanuel. And so we just see this amazing story unfolding, this amazing truth about everything that God wants to do in our life. He continues on, he says in verse 26, he says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us, groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Have you ever been to a place in your life where you just didn't even know how to pray? Have you ever been to a place in your life where you just... You just didn't know what to do. You know that God is your Savior. You know that, that Christ is your Savior. You know that He came and He died on the cross for the, for the atonement of our sins. His blood was spilled. We know the truth of who Christ is. And sometimes we face some of the most difficult situations in our life and we know not what to do. And yet the Word of God gives testimony of this great truth that when we find ourselves in a place and we have not a clue, He still does. The Spirit of God, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He is for us, not against us. He is with us always. The Spirit of God living within us. The second thing that we see here as we continue to read through this passage that the Apostle Paul points out as he writes this letter to the Romans that not only does the Spirit intercede for us, but there's a great promise of our security. There's a great promise of our security. If the last verse was encouraging to us, no doubt these next ones will be as well. Because what we see here as we dive into the Word of God, we, we see here this promise that God wants to keep us, that as we abide in Christ, He abides in us. And, and as we live out our life, he, 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 he understands the difficulties that we face and He understands the things that we're going to have to go through. He understands that during this Christmas season, it's not always filled with joy. He understands the toughness of this world. And as we go through this, to know that He has our best interest in mind. And not only that, but He has His glory in mind. And He brings these two together. And we see this in this next passage as we continue to read in verse 28. We see one of, a very familiar passage to us as we go through these times in our life. But we also see one that is hugely profound as we think about this inseparable connection between Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born in a manger, and the Holy Spirit of God who dwells deeply within in us to encourage us and to lift us and to lead us and to guide us when he says these words and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his 
purpose. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. You see, it's easy for us to say that in the midst of our blessings. It doesn't really feel that way sometimes when we're in the midst of the toughest moments of our life. But you see, we don't base truth off of our emotions, do we? We base truth off of the Word of God. And what the promise of God's Word has to say to us this morning is that in the best times of our life, God has great intentions to use those times in our life, those blessings in our life, to do good, to do good, to bring glory to His name. But also, in the midst of the darkest moments in their life, God is concerned about those things as well. And He uses those moments for good. And so we look at this passage, and we, as followers of Christ, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. How many of you will testify this morning that you love God? That you love the Father, that you love the Son, you love the Holy Spirit of God, that we love God. And and this truth then applies to us as believers. This passage here, it shouts so loudly, hope for the world. This passage, it shouts so, so loudly, hope. There's hope. There's peace. There's joy. There's happiness that comes in knowing Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior and knowing that Christ Jesus is the Lord God Almighty, that knowing Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, and that even after his ascension into heaven, he would send his Holy Spirit, that God would remain with us. Powerful, powerful truth. Now, I want us to be real clear because what this, this passage is not saying to us is it's not saying whenever something is going badly in your life, you know, don't worry, God's going to flip it around. You know, for us to, to begin to think that God only cares for us in the midst of our blessings would really be a prosperity-type gospel. But the reality here in what we are seeing is, is not that, that whenever things are just bad, he's going to, you know, if we turn to him, he'll flip things around because sometimes our Christianity is defined not by our blessings, but by our suffering. And none of us likes to be in that place. But many times it's in that place that God is teaching us to endure. It's in that place that God is teaching us to carry on. God is teaching us to stand firm. It's in that place sometimes of suffering that God is is, is doing something very remarkable in our life. As he refines who we are as followers in Christ Jesus. Knowing that many times the The situations that we face is the fire that we must endure in the refining process. As God does something wonderful in our life. Basically what this verse means is this, is that God is so supremely in charge of the world that all things that happen to Christians are ordered in such a way that they will serve our good. That those circumstances will build us and make us stronger and they will serve our good. They will strengthen us and they will refine us that we may endure. John Piper, he says this, and I love this. He says, the rugged hope of the believer is not that we would escape distress 
or peril or hunger or slaughter, but that the Almighty God will make every one of our agonies an instrument of His mercy to do us good. God has a way of taking those circumstances and doing something really remarkable and incredible and really impossible without God in your life. I love that. So even in the midst of my hardest times, even in the midst of the things that I must suffer, knowing that God wants me to endure those things for my good is very encouraging. You know, I've given testimony to this in bits and pieces anyway, but there was a time in my life where I went through one of the most difficult and hardest situations of my life. And one of the things that I, I prayed for in the midst of that circumstance was, God, give me peace. Grant me strength. Lord, I want to be happy again. In the midst of that, I, I cried out to God. I said, God, I can't endure this. You've got to take away this pain. You've got to take away this darkness. You've got to do it. And as much as I prayed for relief, as much as I prayed for, for restoration, that joy would be brought into my life instead of despair, as much as I prayed for those things, the, the, the suffering just continued for month after month after month. And it seemed to be ever, ever unending in my life. To the point that I began to wonder if God wanted me to endure suffering for the rest of my life. And I remember crying out to God, God, I can't take this any longer. And yet it continued. I wish I would have known what I know today. That I could turn to a God and to God I could say, God is enough. God is enough. I know I'm suffering. I know I'm in pain. I know I'm in despair. I know there's darkness in my life. I know that this is difficult. I know that this is hard. But God is enough. That's what Paul is trying to help us to understand as we think about the Word of God and what it's teaching us is that, my friends, no matter what we face, God is enough. God is enough. And everything that He allows to happen in our life, He allows to happen for our good both the good and the bad and we know that those who love God all things work together for the good today I'll tell you I am so glad that I am not still going through that dark time in my life but I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world because God did such an incredible work in my life during that time my prayer today is often Yep, I've been there, done that, God. I'm, I'm good. You know, don't take me there again. But oh, what the lessons that were learned there. Oh, what the lesson of reliance that was learned there. To just be content in God. To just know that Jesus loves. In the final verses of our passage... We really don't have time to jump into now, but uh, we'll, we'll get to those when we get to Romans chapter 9. But, but, you know, as I look at this passage, I wonder, you know, what do we do with this today? How does this really apply to our life? And, and, and the first thing that I was thinking about as I was, I was getting into this and, and, and really processing this passage is this, is that as we move into 
the holiday season where we do celebrate the birth of Jesus and we do gather with our family and we do eat good food and we do open presents and we do have a good time and, and we celebrate Jesus. As we think about all of that, what is it that God wants to teach us through this lesson and to, to understand today? And here's, here's what I just was thinking is that God wants us to remember during this holiday season that he loves us unconditionally and his love for us is a deep love so much that he would send his son to die on the cross for our sins. You see, that's the reason that Jesus came. You see, Jesus wasn't born in a manger, lived his life for about 33 years or so, and then one day there was sort of this thing that happened, almost an accident where God lost his son to the world and they hung him on a cross. No, all this was part of what God sent him for to begin with. You see, we read in passages like John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, for God so loved the world. Don't you love that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that in order that the world might be saved through him. 